Is your C-suite really performing as a team? Our guest, Pam Fox Rollins, shares the surprising truth about C-suite teams. In many organizations, it's the executive group that least meets the standards we hold for teams. Why does it matter? Find out more. Join us for episode 281 of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Welcome, everyone. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And sitting right along with me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, everybody. It's great to join you again. And as always, our purpose here is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas that can help visionary leaders accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know that from our earliest episodes on, we've had conversations about the importance of high-performance top leadership teams. This includes the CEO, the C-suite, and the board. Yes. In fact, way back in episode 20 in 2015, we had our first Growth Igniters conversation with Peter Gleason, president and CEO of the National Association of Corporate Directors. At that time, we discussed NACD's Blue Ribbon Commission report about emerging trends in board C-suite relationships. And what they found is that with increased complexity and uncertainty in the business environment, the most effective leadership happens when the CEO, C-suite, and board are all engaged in a collaborative relationship that can raise the performance of the company. And you can listen to that conversation by going to growthignatorsradio.com, episode 281, and scrolling down to resources. Now, of course, this type of effective relationship hinges upon having a high-performing C-suite team to collaborate with in the first place. And that's what we're going to focus on in this episode. Specifically, what does it mean to grow as a high-performance C-suite team? A team that's able to collaborate with each other and the board. A team that can make effective recommendations about alternative strategies in line with constantly changing social norms, market needs, technology, and so much more. All good questions. It starts with recognizing the difference between a group of executives, each focused on leading their individual areas, and on an actually high-performing C-suite team. That's why we're glad to be speaking today with Pam Fox Rollin, a strategic advisor who coaches executives and top teams in Silicon Valley and globally. Pam also facilitates technology and healthcare organizations to succeed in strategic transformation, executive development, and culture change. Her best-selling books, Growing Groups into Teams, which we're going to be talking about today, and 42 Rules for Your New Leadership Role are described as indispensable for leaders at all levels. And we highly recommend her book as well. You can read much more about Pam and her team at Altus Growth Partners by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 281, and scrolling down to resources. Pam, the other Pam, welcome to Growth Igniters Radio. 
Thank you so much, Pam and Scott. You have a wonderful podcast, so much insights. I'm very glad to be part of it. Well, we're glad you can join us. Let's start right from the beginning here. What drove you and your team to write a book about growing groups into teams? Because we see whether people call it problems with strategy, problems with operations, problems with execution, problems with an individual C-suite member that they're wondering if they have to swap out, whatever they call it, often what is really missing is a team. You said at the very beginning, sometimes the C-suite is where they're least likely to be a team. So what has surprised you most from your own experiences and research about this issue? How much of a difference it makes, whether they're a team in name only or actually a team. And we can talk about this later, but there's two things that we say at Altus Growth Partners that it takes to have a real team. One is a shared promise. We all know the real difference we want to make in the world. And two is a commitment to coordinate well to achieve that promise. And time after time, no matter whether they said it was a strategy problem, an execution problem, whatever, time after time, it traces back to those two things are missing. One of the things we see as well, peer to peer here, is that this is an issue that is very widespread. Very widespread. In fact, that's why we wrote Growing Groups into Teams, so that when somebody says, no, we're not a group, we're a team, you can say, okay, does it meet the standards of a team? What would we need to do differently to meet those standards? And often, it is the executive team, the cross-functional team, the team that should have the biggest picture of the whole business that does not align on what it is they're going to create for their investors, for their customers, for their employees. And without that, what you have is a group, a misaligned group, and what you could have, and I've seen in the best companies I've worked with, is a real team at the top. Yes, we've seen that distinction too. Even though so many of these C-suite executives are highly talented, highly capable people, in your opinion, Why don't they actually collaborate more effectively? There's a variety of reasons, and the most common ones I see are that they have little experience succeeding cross-functionally. The CMO is there because she knows how to manage marketing teams, and the head of engineering is there because she knows how to manage engineering teams. And it is a completely different animal to work well in a cross-functional team where people have different mindsets. They may be compensated on different metrics, which is a topic for another podcast. (laughs) And often the CEO has never seen really good team leadership and just repeats the dysfunction that they saw when they were on the way up. It's interesting. I've worked with some very large companies, and even there, you're talking about people who've gone through all kinds of team development. And what I found is that it's so easy when you're in your own system not to recognize what's going on around you. The couple of times that I've called people on it, they said, what? No, no, (laughs) we're a team. We're a team. It's good. It's, you know, we're okay, but they weren't. And it took work for me to help them through it. So when you come in from the outside and point out what's going on, do you also see this kind of disconnect? One of the companies that I wrote about in the book and the chapter on, on executive teams they 
didn't know until I interviewed them and brought back the results, they didn't know that each other was as dissatisfied with their experience in the C-suite as they were. And they were dissatisfied in the same way. So this is very common. I think so. And the cost, Scott, is so high because when there's not that alignment, it ripples dysfunction throughout the organization. Let's talk about where we go with this. Probably the best investment your executive team can make is in themselves as a team. Investing in the time that they need to actually align, not just align with a nod and an okay that gets forgotten as they walk out the door, but really understand where each other's coming from, what they see about the business, and have a strong promise at the top of the organization. Okay. You mentioned that there are particular criteria that you have for this, but we're going to take a quick break first. And when we return, we'll talk more with Pam Fox Rollin about what that criteria is for being a real C-suite team. Stay with us. This is Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, and we're on the web at businessadvance.com. As always, we focus on enabling visionary CEOs and C-suite leaders to accelerate the momentum it takes to achieve game-changing innovation, transformation, and growth. It's so exciting to be well into our ninth year of Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. This year, we're receiving more top podcast awards, and this includes the 2023 PopCon Award for Best Business, Marketing, and Tech Podcast. Listeners tell us they enjoy our conversations with visionary CEOs and thought leaders like Pam Fox Rollin, who are changing the face of business. They also really enjoy our Pam and Scott Quick Take episodes. And if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, spread the good word, become a recommender. Just open Growth Igniter's Radio on whatever podcast app you use, write a review, and feel free to share links to your favorite episode, maybe this one, in your social media. Welcome back to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper, that's me, and Scott Harper. Today, Scott and I are speaking with executive coach and strategic facilitator Pam Fox Rollin about the surprising truth about many C-suite teams. And of course, we're talking about it based upon her book, Growing Groups into Teams. Pam, tell us how people can find out more about you, your book, and everything Pam Fox Rollin. Please go to Altus Growth Partners, which is altusgrowth.com. And there is a link for book up at the top that'll take you right to information about the book. And you can find out more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 281, and scrolling down to resources. In the first segment, we were talking about the surprising truth about C-suite teams and how all too often they aren't necessarily teams as much as they may be groups. And of course, there's much more to be gained by being able to perform as a real team, especially in this world that is changing faster than ever before. Let's continue with our conversation. Pam, when we left off, we were talking about criteria 
that you believe are essential for transforming groups into effective teams. And we'll dig deeper. I know that the first one had to do with teams making a shared promise. Let's talk more about that. What does that look like in action? Sure. I'll give you an example of a startup that I started coaching the CEO when there were 11 people. And he and two of those people and one that was added soon after, 10 years later, are accomplishing the promise that they made of that organization, now with 300 people, now with Series B. And their promise was to create a product that actually made small and medium-sized businesses be far more effective and enable them to grow. And what happened was that promise was so prominent that in COVID, it reorganized them. They said, wait a second, we are true to our promise. How do we get to the other side of this giant disruption by helping small and medium businesses get through the disruption themselves? And they innovated wildly because they held that promise to make that specific difference. That's really interesting. Let's talk a little more about the difference between a promise and a vision. Many ways to define it to our team at Altus Growth Partners. A vision is what you want the world to look like. It's the world you are aiming to create, and your company will be part of that. And that part of it is your mission. But that's very different from a promise. A promise is a stance that you and I are committed to doing what is needed to make that happen in the world. So are we talking a little bit about also the values that a company has? Would that fit with that closer? One of the promises might be to live by these values, that we're going to do it and we're going to do it by these values. What is often just left missing on the table when groups do visioning exercises and don't make a promise is, well, what part of that are we holding ourselves responsible for creating? We have in this sort of Western business culture and education culture, a history of individual success. And often the people who are in the C-suite, they made it to the top schools on their effort and they made it through on their effort. And in Places like biotech, where I often work, where they have PhDs and all of that, very individualistic, although it's changing in some ways, which I'm grateful for. And they've also got a board of people, and I know you're very steeped in boards. They've got a board of people who, some of whom come from the investing world, also tends to be very individualistic. And the board and the CEO, in many cases, have not made it a priority to say our business is going to run with a team at the top so that we can have the alignment that we need to move the business forward in a powerful way. Uh, you've mentioned that there are limiting beliefs that executives often have that are unsaid and so not addressed. Do you have an example of an executive group that has realized limiting beliefs like this and brought them out under the open so they could be resolved. I've seen CEOs who decide to take on that challenge, Scott, to be incredibly open and say things like, you know what, I just realized that 
I'm trying to avoid wasting people's time. Since I have the big idea in my head and I can just coordinate with you in a hub and spoke way, I have been operating from a belief that why waste your time getting you all together when I've got it covered? Now what I've come to realize is that we do not actually have a shared view of the business overall, and it's hampering how we operate. And especially, as you talked about earlier, Pam, how we respond to dynamics in the environment. And to do that, we all have to be talking. So let's get it on our calendars. Let's be aligned. The good news is that some of these conversations are starting to happen more. Yes. Way at the beginning of the episode, we were saying is that even in the board, there's a recognition that there has to be a reaching out. Everybody has a different role. Everybody has a different accountability, but we don't all just have, you know, for ourselves, have it covered. We need to be understanding different perspectives. We need to appreciate what people are faced with in order to come up with alternatives that are going to fit in this changing environment and what works well today. It's how long does it last for? You know, we have to constantly be talking. Yeah. Everything we've been talking about really leads to coordinating effectively yeah. so that people can move into the future having each other's backs, knowing what to expect, knowing what they will tolerate and won't tolerate. Tell us a little story about what that looks like. So what comes to mind is a company, a Series C, growing great technology product on a path actually to acquisition by one of the huge companies and they did all did very well in that acquisition. And what struck me as I was working with them were how committed the head of engineering and the head of product were to being absolutely joined at the hip, know what each other knows, totally clear that they are partnering together. Because in so many companies, you know, it's, well, product did a job, engineering didn't, or marketing one. And it made an enormous difference. And actually, those leaders who really learned to forge this very strong relationship went on to become C-level leaders in the company that acquired them. Their leadership skills were so strong. And I bet that if they get to C-suite, they're going, or, or to the CEO role, they're going to want to set a standard for their teams that there is no this function one and the other one lost. It is we're all going to win together. That's great, Pam. So your stories have been about startup and early stage companies. Clearly, they work well in the smaller businesses. What about in the larger businesses? Do these definitions fit? Absolutely. I mean, if you can imagine in an even larger company, they have even larger breakdowns when there's when things are misaligned. Yeah. We've oh, seen it. We, we've <laughs> seen it. The bigger the company, the more challenging it is to stay in alignment. So let's talk about how we can make sure that coordination continues even as the company grows into the billions. Because a lot of it involves having conversations that are not easy. That Absolutely. I'd rather turn my back on and focus on what I'm responsible for. Yeah. And yet those conversations are so critical. We've talked about it ourselves. What's your perspective? The number one job of leaders is to orchestrate the conversations, to make sure that 
the right people or talking to the right other people to make the right decisions and to ripple things through the business. So back to the question about large enterprises, often what's really needed is a very specific culture of teaming at every level so that if you have a geographical structure that those businesses each have a team at the top, that if you have a regional structure, those are also run as a team so that you can get those to align with the overall vision of the company, the overall promise the company makes to its stakeholders. I would agree. And I think it's so important that these conversations be supportive conversations where there's a recognition that we are all so different and the things that we're facing are so different. You know, quality control, very different from the issues of getting it out the door, Yeah, getting yeah. it out the door <laughs> and so on. And so having that ability to appreciate what we're all facing, not just in functions, but as people. It goes back to the old improvisation of yes and. Yes and. Yes, you have that point, and this is important too. Let's notice that support happens in two dimensions. Support is care and respect, and support is also truth. And that can create some difficult conversations. But what I tell people earlier in their careers who want to build up is learn to have the most truthful conversations in ways that are experienced as and reflect your genuine respect. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Pam Fox Rollin about immediately useful ideas for creating that real C-suite team. Stay with us. You're listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, where we focus on enabling visionary leaders to dramatically increase the momentum it takes to get game-changing results. We're on the web at businessadvance.com. Have you ever wondered, if so many CEOs think it's important to lead for business transformation and long-term growth in the rapidly changing world, why can it be so challenging to break the orbit of the status quo? Well, as an author and advisor to visionary CEOs who often face mystifying pushback to their big ideas, that was the question that sent me on a long search for answers. So what's the secret of the great leaders? The successful visionary leaders I call growth igniters? The ones who are able to ignite game-changing business growth over and over again? What's their secret? They're able to anticipate and embrace the hidden leadership dynamics that can naturally emerge in uncharted territory. How do they do this? Well, that's what I share in my keynote, Break Orbit, Achieving Long-Term Growth in a Short-Term World. Go to PamHopperSpeaks.com today to find out more about Pam's keynote and her availability to speak at your next leadership conference or executive retreat. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, Scott and I have been speaking with Pam Fox Rollin, executive coach and strategic facilitator, about the surprising truth about many C-suite teams. 
Pam, remind us how people can find out more about you, your company, and your team, your books. Altusgrowth.com. You are also welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. And please say that you heard about me through Growth Igniters Radio. And then I'll make sure to respond. Find out more information and links for this episode by going to growthignitersradio.com, episode 281, and scrolling down to resources. So we're at the point in our episode where we talk about three immediately useful, practical ideas. In this case, it's for growing a C-suite group into a high-performing team. And let's take these ideas one at a time. Pam, what's the first one? The CEO needs to make sure that the executive team has standards, rules of the road. Often it is five, six, seven key behaviors that that CEO expects of the C-suite team that everyone really supports and they need to be doable. And of course, there can be a real big difference between what is in the CEO's head and what the people on the C-suite team think that they need to succeed. So some examples of really powerful rules that I've seen is one, a no surprises. If something big is coming up, if there's a risk that needs managing, it goes to the C-suite team. They don't find out through, you know, a week of rumors through the organization. Another powerful one is that if you have a concern about what somebody's doing, rather than make an assumption, you go to them and ask, what is this about? I want to understand better. This sounds like a conversation. If you co-create that, if you get everybody together to make those rules, they're going to own them, right? Yes. And and uh, they're more likely to be carried out. And uh, of course, accountability would factor in right. here too. So when you talk about a rule of the road, that's serious. It is serious. And we check in on it. Usually we set up a rhythm of every six months, getting together, having a conversation, saying, where are we succeeding with this? Where are we not? Including at the individual level. And we ask individuals to say from themselves, hey, here's where I'm doing it. Here's where I'm not. And and here's what I'm running up against in trying to make that happen. These are very powerful conversations to keep the C-team on track. So that will take us to the second practical idea on how to build that team. Absolutely. Put in the time. Put in the time. You need to actually schedule. These are very, very busy people. Often now, especially post-COVID, you've got C teams that are people of home locations all over the country, if not all over the world. So you have to actually schedule some time and say, we're going to get together on these dates in June and check in. How are we functioning as a team? That can be in conjunction with something else, a QBR, a strategic review, something else you're doing. But if you do not schedule the time and make a plan for how to use it, often facilitation helps, chances are that it's not going to happen. One of the big challenges, especially these days, is so many things come up even when there's a scheduled meeting. I think there are a lot of C-suites that actually do intend to meet, and mostly they do. But then something comes up, very urgent, very important, and one or two people can't make it. There has to be some flexibility there. 
What are your thoughts on this? Sometimes you have to just work around that one or two people that are busy either putting out a fire or have a personal thing that must be attended to. That happens. However, if you have the intention, make sure that intention is reflected in your calendar and in your planning. And really, what is more important than making sure you are driving the business forward together? Building on that, it's so important to actually reinforce that. If the people are making the time, they need to be reinforced. If they're not making the time, there has to be a conversation. Right. And we have to use people's time well. I find once we get into a rhythm and people see the difference, they want to make the time, but they're familiar with maybe meetings that weren't run well, (laughs) things were swept under the rug, we didn't talk about the real issues. So if you're committed to using their time well, make that happen, and then people want to come. So let's move to the third immediately useful idea. I say call out problems and call in people. So I want to note that we have a challenge here with this. And one of the health factors that shows up in the research on teams is are people speaking to problems that are outside of their area? And I, you know, I can feel the shoulders go up for executives who are listening to us because why do I want somebody in a different function commenting on my function? They don't know my function. And so I'm reluctant to call them out because then they're going to point it back at me. That is not the conversation I'm inviting people to. We point at the problem and we say, our distribution isn't reaching you know, this region as we thought it would. So how do we want to address it? So specificity about the issue and its impact. Yeah. How have you seen that work out? I've seen that work out really well, Scott, because people learn over time to have the most important conversations. I had the pleasure of as a baby consultant at 22, work on a team that was led by John Donahoe, who had just gotten out of MBA. And of course, he went on to be CEO of PayPal, to be CEO of Nike. And he had such a different approach from many of the other recent MBAs. When a problem came up, he said, let's get the learning out of it. Oh, this is good. Now we know this, this, and this. Okay, now we can move forward even better. Powerful example. So here we are at the end of this episode. Can you leave us with some final thoughts on the surprising truth about C-suite teams? Absolutely. And that has to do with how you pull people up to the C-suite. The CEOs I work with, they do it best when they are very thoughtful of who several layers down in the organization is leading cross-functional initiatives and to make sure to resource them with mentorship coaching, great people on their teams, because the ability to lead a cross-functional initiative, I've seen as the best preparation for eventually becoming a very successful C-suite team member. Well, Pam, thank you so much for being our guest on Growth Igniter's radio. What a pleasure. Thank you. So many thanks. And thanks to all of you out there who are listening to Growth Igniter's radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. To contact us, get show notes and resource links for this week's episode, go to growthignitersradio.com, select episode 281. 
Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss with your C-suite. What's one thing we can do starting today to increase our effectiveness as a real C-suite team? Growth Igniters and Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper are registered service marks of Business Advancement Incorporated. All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated are prohibited. All rights reserved.